has been far too long. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast listeners of all ages, this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live, and I am your host, Joe Molinax. I cannot stress enough. It's so good to be here with you wherever you're taking in this show, whether it's in Memphis, Tennessee, in Aruba, Jamaica, wherever you might be at this moment. Thank you for listening to our show. I haven't been on the airwaves since the summer. It has been a long several months, a long football season, but finally I have returned to the SB Nation podcast network. I know everybody's been waiting patiently for this moment. Thank you so much. Hopefully you didn't hold your breath too long. I apologize for the delay, but I am back and we'll we'll decide if I'm better than ever. That, that's probably up for debate, but Thank you for listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Lots to get to on this initial episode of the 2019-2020 season. And to help me jumpstart the, I believe, seventh season of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I'm excited to bring in uh, co-host, co-podcast, guru, spirit animal, however you want to describe us. Uh, it's probably more of a uh, mentor-mentee relationship uh, I guess you're not new anymore. Uh, the a new and air quotes associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. He's done a remarkable job as our game day coverage uh, extraordinaire gentleman, Mr. Parker Fleming. Uh, Parker, obviously core four podcast. You've got a lot going on, but you're going to add GBB live to your plate. You'll, you'll start off as a guest at the beginning of every show and and then eventually we'll do some co-hosting stuff. Uh, welcome to GBB live, sir. Absolutely, Joe. I appreciate it. Another thing on my plate, but I mean, the grind, you got to just keep eating, you know? You have to keep eating, I guess. I'm really excited for this segment because you're much younger than me, like even in terms of age, if you're not that much younger. I'm 32 going on 52. So I, I always learn like new lingo. You keep me young, even though I work with kids all day. So I can appreciate that, Parker. Um, I'm looking forward to working with you in all seriousness. Parker has done a phenomenal job working at GBB. He's been my right-hand man helping in so many ways during my football season. And, and I'm appreciative of that. And I'm excited to get back into the swing of things here with Parker and the rest of our terrific staff over at GBB. And I wish it was under happier circumstances, Parker. Obviously, the Grizzlies are struggling, and we all kind of expected that. That's not really a surprise. The fact that they're 6-14 and 14 in the NBA is not the, the shock. The surprise the last couple of days has been how the injury issues have mounted for Memphis. First, John Morant, uh, who on Tuesday was named the Western Conference Rookie of the Month, which is a good thing. Uh, in the past day or so, it's been announced that he had an injury issue with his back that he suffered the week prior against the Indiana Pacers, and he's going to be week to week, which probably means see you in 2020, which means January 1st, you know, not, not saying shut him down uh, for those that may be listening. It's just a larger scale thought process of no reason to rush him back. And then, of course, today, uh, Brandon Clark gets the same treatment due to his hip issue, so the two most exciting reasons to watch the Grizzlies, at least so far this season, John Morant and Brandon Clark, the two rookies, both out for the foreseeable future. How much of a buzzkill is this for you to watch a 6-14 and 14 team lottery bound? Uh, the convey debate is over for a variety of reasons. It's almost certainly not going to happen now. Um, and they don't have their two most promising stars, at least in terms of this most recent draft. So how are you approaching the Grizzlies these next few weeks? Um, I'm not as, I guess, in the doomsday kind of party as you sound. Um, I think they could be back sooner than expected. Maybe not 2020, but I can see them coming, at least jaw coming back after the road trip. Um, just letting them rest up in Memphis, rehab hard. But also too, I think one thing to keep in mind is that with Zion Williamson out and the rest of the rookie class kind of underwhelming per se the rookie of the year race is jaws to win and him missing too many games is obviously going to hurt its argument so i don't see them doing anything to jeopardize his rookie of the year race and i think especially for an nba point guard it's all about reps and especially in-game reps because it's the hardest position in basketball and i don't think that they're gonna they're gonna play it safe but they're not gonna wrap him in bubble wrap per se. I think Clark might be out longer just because I don't know how to 
think of an oblique. I don't know how to judge of an oblique injury. But my guess, I think Job would be back after the road trip, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon's back with him. And with the convey debate, it may not even be one of those things of the Grizzlies being too bad to convey. I think other teams are just worse, to be honest. That's possible, and uh, I stand corrected on Brandon Clark. The hip was the original issue. It is now an oblique that uh, that is the main cause of his week-to-week status for the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm really kind of – the convey thing is neither here nor there, Parker. I don't really care anymore. I was I was the guy who beat the drum the loudest for the conveying of the pick last year, but then the Grizzlies, quote-unquote, won the lottery uh, as close as you could without drafting Zion. They get John Morant. He's as good as advertised, if not better. He is that potential superstar that we all hoped he would be. And now conveying that pick, in theory, you'd like to have it this year because you'd hope that next year they're going to be a better team and the pick won't be as valuable as it is this season. Uh, so, so it kind of makes sense the way that they're approaching it. And obviously they've gotten a lot of assets along the way in the various deals that they've made. I agree with you on Jaw in terms of not treating him with kid gloves, but at the same time, he's not Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that a lot of people are going to look to the way that the Grizzlies treated Jaron when he had his injury in the lost season, and they really were cautious with him. Uh, John Morant's not Jaron Jackson Jr. in a lot of different ways. I think one of the main ways is mentality, and I don't mean that as a slight to Jaron. Jaron was so young coming into the NBA last year. I believe he was the second youngest player in the entire league in that rookie class. He was not mentally or physically prepared to play an 82-game schedule, and I think they are going to view Ja uh, a little bit differently because of his maturity, because of his desire to be on the floor. Not to say that Jaron didn't have that desire, but Morant is in a place to better understand what his role is in the NBA now than Jaron was at the same stage last year. And I think they're going to give Morant the benefit of the doubt on that front. Same thing with Brandon Clark. I mean, you look at Brandon Clark, he's 23 years old. He's older than, I think he's older than Dylan Brooks, who's been in the league going on his third year now. If I'm right on that, I'd have to double check. But they're they're both 23. So Brandon Clark is a mature rookie. And I think that they're going to allow for him to, you know, come back when he's ready and not look at him as somebody that needs to be, uh, I don't want to say coddled. That's not the right word, but hopefully people are getting what I'm trying to say. Jaron mentally and physically was different as a rookie than these two guys. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I can agree. And also too, last season, it was kind of a lost season in terms of just anything because they obviously they weren't good enough to make the playoffs and they had already traded away Mark Gasol. They traded away also a lot of their veterans to Michael Green, Sheldon Mack, Garrett Temple, to trade a, to name a few. And also, they weren't bad enough to land in the top five in lottery odds and get themselves a good chance of landing a Zion Williamson, John Moran, R.J. Barrett, even though they did. So it was just kind of like, okay, let's just see what we have with these other guys, and let's just make sure that Jaron's all ready for next season because that's the one that matters more. Listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, the glorious return of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molnax, the site manager of the wonderful grizzlybearblues.com. I'm in my fourth year running the blog, and I'm very, very honored and privileged to be in that spot. I'm joined at this time by my uh, my right-hand man, essentially, a man, excuse me, essentially, over at GBB, Parker Fleming. He's done a great job uh, while I was doing my football thing and helping with the site. Uh, follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so at Paka P A K A underscore Flaka, and that's a great example of my age and or lameness. The way that I say that every time that I do. Uh, let's try to get you out of here on something positive, Parker, because I feel like we we focused on the negative there with the injuries, and this team is pretty bad as it is, even with Jaw and Brandon, and that's to be expected with rookies and so much youth. When your veteran leadership consists of Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. Uh, you're not necessarily set up for success. Jonas Valanciunas, those types of guys. And I don't mean that as a negative against them. On a playoff team, Jay Crowder is not a starter. On a playoff team, you could argue that Solomon Hill is not even on the roster. So we're asking a lot of these guys, both young and old, to do things that they wouldn't be asked to do on a good basketball team. 
So they're outside of their roles, and that's kind of been the story of the Grizzlies the last couple of years. But at least at this stage, there's a purpose behind it. It's not wandering in the desert aimlessly like it felt like with Chris Wallace. Now there's a direction. There's a point that everybody's kind of circled in on, and they're looking towards a future that's built around Jaron and Ja. Uh, Peter Edmiston, friend of Grizzly Bear Blues, fan of the GBB bump, uh, GBB Live bump, uh, he wrote an article recently, and I know you're a big Jaron Jackson Jr. fan, talking about the ability of Jaron as a non-traditional big and how we need to stop viewing him that way. And I'm curious as to between that article, which was excellent, always read Peter Edmiston if you can, and an article that was written uh, over at GBB by one of our very own, uh, your co-host of the Core 4 podcast, Mr. Nathan Chester, uh, shout out Big Nate, uh, talking about Brandon Clark and the extremely efficient season that Brandon's having. Neither of these guys are traditional bigs. And obviously you have Jonas Valanciunas on the roster. He's almost too traditional of a big. So you look at all three of them combined, and it's almost like if you could put them all into one player, you'd probably have Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid, or somebody of that ilk. You don't have that here. We're going to talk to Anthony Sane in the next segment, which surprised you more than it should have. Sane and I go way back. Um, but I'm curious as to your take on what I'm pretty sure Sane is going to say. Obviously, in Memphis, the Tigers are huge right now. James Wiseman is a major focus, and lots of Memphians would love to see Wiseman as a Grizzly with one of these top three to five picks that the Grizzlies are likely to have. He's not as high on Wiseman as a Grizzly, and I'm not either, because I think that the wing need is so much larger than what they need from a big, but at the same time, they clearly are lacking in a very important area of rebounding, where you traditionally get that from a big that outside of Jonas Valanciunas, who has his limitations physically, you can't get that from Jaron and ja, or excuse me, Jaron and Brandon, at least not at this stage. So they're kind of have a catch twenty two. You know, Wiseman theoretically would help with the rebounding aspect and be more athletic than Valanciunas, but at the same time, that leaves a big, huge hole at the wing position that Memphis needs scoring, shot creation off the dribble for themselves and others, all sorts of different things. But if you draft an Anthony Edwards or a Lamelo Ball. That addresses the wing, but you still have the huge hole at rebounding, and you don't necessarily get that from those two particular players. So this Grizzlies roster is still very much a work in progress. I wanted to get your take looking at what you think is the bigger need, because obviously Brandon Clark's having a great year. J uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. shooting the ball extremely well right now, but neither of them are long-term, in theory, going to be able to provide you what you need from that big man position. And Jonas Valanciunas is too limited in terms of what he can do on the perimeter to be somebody that can stay on the floor, especially on that next great Grizzlies team in a playoff series. They're going to attack Jonas and he's not gonna be able to play. I mean, I think the Jonas Valanciunas thing is kind of overblown in a sense. I mean, with Toronto in the playoffs, he was averaging, around 14 and 10 in the last playoff series that he was in. And they were legitimately one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I even talked to Raptors fans who said at times he was their second best player in playoff series. Um, what, but do do, what do you do time. against the pick and roll? What do you do when he gets attacked in the pick and roll? Teams are already doing that to him. In, in regular season right. games, they, yeah. he's almost unplayable. Right. And then um, at that point, it's just one of those things with maturity, I think – both Jaron and Brandon Clark will be fine. Jaron, the rebounding issues are more legitimate, but Brandon Clark, he's averaging close to 11 rebounds a game per 36 minutes. I think the foundation for him being a good rebounder is there, but also just think it's going to be more of a pack mentality as far as rebounding goes. I saw last night in the box score, I mean, Jaron had to deal with Demonis Sabonis, and that's already a feat because he's a top 10 rebounder, but DeAnthony Melton had nine rebounds and Dylan Brooks had seven. I mean, if you can get guards crashing the boards and also push and start your transition offense earlier, the better. So I think the rebounding will be fine. Um, just a maturity thing. Jaron does play out on a perimeter a lot because he gets stuck in switch situations on pick and rolls. He oftentimes is on the perimeter offensively, so I don't even think there are much rebounding chances for him. Uh, and I even saw that last year too. He just got him. I mean, playing the four, especially in today's NBA, it's a very perimeter-oriented position now to where at times you may not even find yourself in position to grab rebounds. Um, 
So, I mean, I think just perimeter scoring and help on the wings is the biggest need right now. I mean, right now the Grizzlies are third in assist and their best three-point shooters by percentage are Brandon Clark, Solomon Hill, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Just throw in a Joe Harris or a Bogdan Bogdanovich or even like a LaMelo Ball or on a lighter scale, Arkansas's Isaiah Joe. I mean, all of a sudden you're talking about one of the better offenses in this league. So I think that's more of the need right now, especially as you're trying to build a good a good offensive system orient, oriented around John Morant. If you can find a way to add in free agency a Joe Harris, a Bogdan Bogdanovich, or God forbid, a Brandon Ingram, if, in, if uh, New Orleans doesn't feel like maxing him out, which it looks more and more likely that's what it's going to take to keep Ingram in New Orleans, if you can acquire a free agent in that way and then also bring in an Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball, I'm bigger on Edwards than Ball, and, and that'll be a topic for a future episode of GBB Live. Uh, if you can hit that home run, then you had a massive offseason uh, and your rebuild has accelerated because you've got guys in place that are going to make you that much better. I think you're right. I think that you can replace what a rebounding big traditionally would do in the aggregate, especially if you attack the glass with perimeter players, as you mentioned. We'll get you out of here on this, Parker. I mentioned Anthony Sane will be joining me in the next segment of this episode. Sane uh, gets credit for the free Jaron ja- or excuse me, free Josh Jackson movement. There's a six foot eight wing down in South Haven right now who theoretically speaking could very much assist with this rebounding issue. He's also an athletic defender. He clearly, and Brandon Abraham has talked about this. He wrote about it for us over at GBB. Brandon does a great job covering our G League squad, the Memphis Hustle. Josh Jackson is way too good for the G League, and I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I'm going to talk with Sane about his take on why Jackson is there. He and I differ a little bit on the the value of that. But I'm curious as to what you think. Is Josh Jackson somebody who long-term, and this was part of our question of the day as well, is Josh Jackson somebody who long-term is going to be a fit for this Grizzlies team? Obviously, we still need to see him physically play on the Grizzlies roster to make a definitive decision on that. But they're going to have to make a call one way or another if this guy's going to be a part of their future. There is no team option on him. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent in about six months. Uh, it's tough because, honestly, the thing I'm more concerned about than the off-court issues is why Phoenix decided to attach a decent young player and two second-round picks to him, even though they drafted him with the fourth overall pick two years ago for essentially a very mediocre NBA player who I don't even know should be in the league and salary cap relief. I kind of did want to see, like, okay, was he really that bad? And also, too, analytics Twitter hopped all over Josh Jackson. But then again, this season they've been proven wrong about Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Brandon Ingram, and just to name a few. I do think he can fit, and he definitely fits a need. The Grizzlies haven't had a wing with theoretically as much athleticism, skill, or upside since Rudy Gay. And you can argue that Josh Jackson's ceiling is probably Rudy Gay at this point. Um, I think there's a need for him. I mean, every time I watch Solomon Hill or Marco Guterich play basketball, I just just wonder what this team would be like, especially in the second unit. If they can have a guy that can create from the perimeter and create his own shot and create for others, like Josh Jackson. Because a lineup, even with yeah, the, the five right now of Jaw, Dylan, Jay, Jaron and JV, and then off the bench you have, I mean the backcourt situation is sticky. You can either roll with Melton and Grayson or Tyus and Melton, and then Josh Jackson, Kyle Anderson, and Brandon Clark. That's not a bad nine-man rotate, nine ten-man rotation, especially for a team essentially the first year of its rebuild. If you want to rebuild a team in a small market like Memphis, Tennessee, you have to take calculated risks. And I think the Phoenix Suns trade is an excellent example of that. We've talked about that on these airwaves before over at uh, grizzlybearblues.com. Josh Jackson may very well be a terrible person and an even worse basketball player. But if you have a chance to acquire him and DeAnthony Melton, who looks excellent at this point, obviously very small sample size, but he's going to continue to get opportunity. If you can get those two guys plus the picks they got 
for what Memphis gave up, essentially Javon Carter and Kyle Corver, who was never going to play for them anyway. I mean, that's extremely valuable. And that's just shrewd front office work from uh, Wexler and King Kleiman and all those folks over on Beale Street. They did a remarkable job over the summer. And Memphis is in a much better position as they go through this rebuild than they would have been if somebody else was in charge whose name rhymed with Schmish Schmallis. Uh, Parker Fleming, thank you so much for joining me here on our return episode of GBB Live. You'll be with me every episode just about from here on in. I'm looking forward to it, partner. Thank you so much for all you do at GBB, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. All right. When we come back, we will be joined by Mr. Anthony Sane of SI.com. I got to give him some love for that. That's pretty cool. So we'll talk to Sane about all the things that have been going on with him professionally. I'm going to get down to the Josh Jackson business at hand and also take a look at Memphis and how they or proceed, excuse me, in a John Morant and Brandon Clarkless world, at least for the time being. So stay tuned. We'll be right back here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the season premiere, season seven premiere of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. And I'm joined by one of my oldest friends in Grizzlies blogging and podcasting. We've we've been around long enough to love each other and like each other and then hate each other and and then like each other <laughs> again. Uh, it, it, he's one of the hardest working guys out there. And it's really cool. The latest opportunity that he's gotten to uh, to put together and show off the great work that he does. Uh, he is the Grizzlies beat writer for Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven. Um, he also on his Twitter bio, uh, one of my favorite little blurbs that he that's out there, your favorite media member's favorite media member. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. It is Mr. Anthony Sane. Sane, how are you doing, my friend? Man, I'm good. Joe. You made a good point. We, we've been doing this for a while, man. There's not many left. There's a lot of guys who started off blogging or doing whatever they were doing uh, many, many moons ago, but not not many left standing at this point in 2019. A little insider uh, tidbit here. I, I am recording this with Sane, and I told him that we were able to go a little bit earlier because I was able to put my four-year-old and my one-year-old daughters to bed quicker than I anticipated uh, being mm-hmm. able to do it. So, uh, yes, they, they oh, did yeah. not exist when, when you and I were hanging out uh, at Central nah, Barbecue it, it seven or eight years ago. Neither one of them was there when I first met at this I wasn't married all the time ago. So I, I, I mean, don't even I, think Gabe was uh, no. I don't even think Gabe was born then. I, nope. I think my ex wife might have been pregnant at the time, but I, he wasn't alive. It has been a long road and, and I'm it it made me laugh when uh when our associate editor Parker Fleming uh acted like it was some huge thing. Monumental uh, thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly he hasn't been around very long. He was fourteen yeah. when we started doing this thing. So exactly. um but it's good to hear your voice and it's good to have you back on. And I want to give you a second before we get into the nuts and bolts of, of this Grizzlies rebuild, uh to talk about your new venture, because it's really cool how you're working for Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven and how you're doing the beat writer stuff. It's an awesome opportunity for you. And, and I want you to give a, give our listeners an opportunity to figure out how they can come find your work. Well, uh, like you said, it's a great opportunity I have working uh, for Sports Illustrated through Maven. Um, just, you know, being able to cover the team, having all access to the team. Uh, it's kind of weird, man, because, you know, I'm the guy who's typically – you know, saying what I want to say about players, you know, really going going off and cracking jokes and those type of things. But, You're the outsider. Yeah, I'm the outsider. You know, now now I'm the outsider looking in. But uh, like I said, I, I see these guys, and it's weird when you're covering the team because it's almost like it's almost like the players, coaches, PR guys. It's like they're your coworkers now. Like you see these guys every day, uh, pretty much, and two or three times a day sometimes. So uh, it's a totally different viewpoint from uh, covering the team as a full-time journalist or whatever. But it's honestly a dream come true, man. Like, this is something that I've been, you know, praying for, sacrificing for, uh, putting things in motion. Um, you know, of course, it started off as a – it was even even less than a hobby when I first started. And then it turned into a hobby and then uh, a passion and then something that became uh, full-time employment. So it's definitely a joy. But well, there, if, anyone wants to, uh, if anyone wants to check it out, it's uh, com slash NBA slash Grizzlies. And it's all on my Twitter page uh, at Saint Asylum or on uh, at Grizzlies Maven on Twitter. Absolutely. I'd highly recommend it. And I've always liked the work that Sane's done, you know, whether it's the Outsiders pod, even go back to the Three Shades of Blue days. You know, Sane has always been a very talented guy and a very hardworking guy. But 
I, I can't recommend enough the Grizzlies Maven site uh, in terms of how he's really he he's dived or dove uh, head first into the work and, and it's really been impressive. So uh, I wanted to tell you that and pay you that compliment. You know, there's, oh, this, there's, you, there has never been a better time, uh, whether it's, you know, shy and Amy over at the Memphis flyer. Now, uh, whether it's the, uh, the daily Memphian, the athletic, uh, us at GBB, th- th- there's never been mm-hmm. a better time to be a Grizzlies fan. There's so much great content out there. So uh, commercial exactly. appeal, uh, th- there's a ton of great stuff. So make sure you're checking out uh, Sane and the work he does over as a member or as the beat writer, excuse me, for Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven. Okay, Sane, I, I want to jump in headfirst into something that may take us off the rails a little bit. I told you I needed you for 20 minutes and and maybe we go a little mm-hmm. bit longer. Uh, I've been saving this for our conversation. I've wanted to have you on the podcast since I saw you. You get credit, and rightfully so, for the free Josh Jackson movement. And I do think that it's gained some pretty impressive steam. I think I even saw it on a Grizzlies postgame show recently on a poster right. <laughs> uh, behind Rob Fisher and the guys. Uh, you have said that the main reason that you think he should be up or released by the Grizzlies, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is you don't mm-hmm. see the G League as a place for rehab. Uh, you don't see how the benefit is there for him in terms of going to the Memphis Hustle, being a part of that organization or that branch of the Grizzlies organization and and essentially rehabbing his image uh, while playing basketball there. I disagree to an extent, Uh, but I would like to hear your take uh, audio-wise. I know you do stuff with 92.9 and stuff like that. I'm not able to listen uh, consistently, uh, unfortunately, because of my day job, but I'm curious as to why you don't see the hustle as a viable option. Because I actually think the Grizzlies have done the right thing to this point with him sending him to the hustle. Now, I agree with you completely. He should be with the Grizzlies now. But why do you think right. the, the send him there period uh, was the wrong move? Well, first of all, shout out to uh, I am uh, – what's his name? I am – I'm a, a Depper. Depper. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Depper on Twitter. Uh, who says that I'm a one-trick uh, one pony because – Which is not true. Yeah, I've been kind of doing this for a while, so that's my one trick. I've been doing it for a while to get to that one <laughs> trick, I guess. But, yeah, that dude's, that dude's a hilarious individual. But, yeah, um, the whole Josh Jackson thing, um, I just think that the – I think that Josh Jackson should have been a, should have been treated like an adult, first of all. And I think the Grizzlies kind of handled him like a teenager or like a kid and basically put him in punishment or whatever, so to speak, or put him in timeout by sending him to the G League. Uh, the G League isn't – uh, a mental health center is not a rehab center. It's not prison. It's not any of those things. It's not, you know, NBA purgatory. I think that the, uh, the G League is set up for players that is that are indeed up on the court development and guys that don't quite crack the surface of being an NBA player. Uh, Josh Jackson has played two seasons in the NBA, uh, averaged double-digit points per game. Uh, any guy that can average 10, more than 10 points a game in the NBA is proven to be an NBA player whether he's the most efficient NBA player or he's the best shooter or the smartest or the most calm NBA player, those things have don't really have anything to do with anything, but he's proven to be an NBA player. Uh, whether that's the one through 15 on a roster, uh, same type of conversations people would have about Carmelo Anthony saying he doesn't belong in the NBA. He's back in the NBA and he's, uh, you know, NBA player of the week. It's some of the ridiculous things you hear about Josh Jackson about whether he belongs in the NBA or not. And I think that sending them down to the G League as a punishment for off-the-court off the behavior is demeaning to me. I always thought that it was something that, uh, like, my, my man shouldn't have to put on a puppy uniform. You know what I mean? <laughs> to, to, uh, You're to not a fan of the puppy it's, dog it's, uniforms, man? No, it's ridiculous. It's, I, and I saw it. I, I had my hands on it yesterday. I was like, I can't believe Josh Jackson had to put these on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and there are a lot of people, like, who get – who come at me like it's a, a basketball thing. Like I think that Josh Jackson is going to be some type of savior. And it's far from that. It's just kind of, it's almost like a moral thing. Like why why are we handling this guy like this? Like, okay, if the Grizzlies, my whole thing has been if the Grizzlies aren't interested in bringing him to camp, which is of course the best way to see what you have with the guy. Have him around your team, have him around your offense, let him play, see if he's good or not. See if he can show and prove or not. If you don't think he's that guy that you want to bring to camp, do like, every other team does in the NBA, and just release the guy. Like, give him the opportunity to catch on with another team and show him improve. And like I said, this is a contract year for Josh. And like we talk about 
free Iggy. Like Iggy was like people were saying that the Grizzlies are doing Iggy, Iggy wrong. I think Josh Jackson being was done wrong because he didn't. Like I said, he hasn't had the opportunity to prove himself in a contract season. The Grizzlies are holding on to him and putting him in a lesser league where everyone's going to say, well, he's supposed to do that. Or, you know, he can't really win because if he did bad in the G League, people will say he's trash. And if he did good, well, he's supposed to do that in the G League. You know, so I think that that's, that's really the basis of the whole free Josh Jackson thing is that he just he should have just been given a chance to show and prove just like everyone else did. Now, do I think that he's better than the Marco Gadurics and the Grayson Adams of the world? Yes, I do. I think if he came in, he could definitely help and be a part of this young movement. And people are saying, well, you know, just leave him down there. Let him do his thing. Josh Jackson is as young as the – he's not as young as John and Jaren, but he's still a young player. He should be given an opportunity to show and prove on the court. That's, that's been my whole thing with the whole free Josh Jackson movement. Talking with Sane Asylum here, uh, Mr. Anthony Sane at Sane Asylum on Twitter. He's the Grizzlies beat writer for Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so. Again, at Sane Asylum. Everything you just said there is fair. And I do think that a lot of this comes down to that analytics question is part of it. I I do think there's something there. If you watch Josh Jackson play, I think that you have a better take on him as a player than if you just looked at the numbers on a screen. He's not as bad as the analytics would suggest he is, but he's also not, it's not like he's some great NBA player. And to your credit, you admit that. Um, I guess it comes down to your perspective and my perspective. But you know how of Josh it, Jackson plays? You know how again? Josh Jackson plays, plays? You want to know how Josh Jackson played last year? Uh, sure. He played like a guy who's he played like a guy whose coach got fired last year. Right. Sure. That's I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix <laughs> you know I mean? is a dumpster fire of an organization. Yeah. And I mean, until recently, obviously they've turned it around a little bit and some may argue it's because Josh Jackson is gone, but I think that's a bit unfair. Anyway, I, I, I'm with mm-hmm. you to that point where we diverge a little bit is I see the value in him. If Josh Jackson comes into the Memphis Grizzlies and he's on that roster immediately, and he's expected to be a contributor professionally at the highest level in the NBA when he's not able, right or wrong, there's multiple things that he did that would suggest that he's not able to manage that lifestyle. If you throw him to a situation where there isn't as much structure, it's a young locker room where you don't have, I mean, obviously you have Solomon Hill, you have Jay Crowder. I don't want to disrespect those guys. But it's not like you have a Kevin Garnett or a Zebo or Tony Allen even to step in and, and kind of right the wrong in terms of being an icon in that organization. Uh, Zebo and Tony right. probably being better examples from a Grizzlies perspective. Um, it, it would be a I don't know that he would have the opportunity to right his ship as much as he does away from the NBA limelight, being with the hustle and being in a leadership position. I think that there is something to what Jason March said and to Jason March's credit, I think you were there for this presser or at least this availability. He talked about, it was very complimentary about Josh doing everything he was asked to do. He's been a model teammate. He's been a leader for that hustle group who, by the way, are the best team in the G league right now in part because Josh Jackson's too good for the G league and he shouldn't be there physically. I think that giving him the access to being that best player in a building where there aren't so many people it almost can give you an opportunity and you're right. It's not a rehab center. It's not a mental health institution. I think that's probably the strongest part of your argument, but it is a place where he can look around and say, I used to play in front of 10,000, 15,000 people and look at where I am. I can get myself back to where I was. If I do things the right way, I think that there is value in that, but I do agree that the time has come and it probably should have been weeks ago that he should have mm-hmm. come up. I don't think that you're getting much out of it at this stage. Right. And you're definitely not. I mean, reports have come out that he's going to stay down there for the foreseeable future. That makes no sense to me. I, I know Solomon Hill has played well recently, but there's no re- Solomon Hill is not going to be a Grizzly in six months. <laughs> let's, let's be right. real. He's not going to be around. Right. It might be two months. He might be traded at the trade deadline if he keeps building exactly. up his value. Josh Jackson could theoretically be here. And I, I, I think you said it on social media, and I don't disagree, regardless of your or me having an opinion on the matter. If I were Josh Jackson, if I'm going to be kept down in the G League after doing everything you told me to do for an extended period of time, why would I stay? Right. Like, why would I stay here? <laughs> and another thing, Joe, like we talk about rehab centers, and you talk about maybe being away and all those type of things might be good for you. You used to live here. What's a better rehab center than Memphis, Tennessee, the grindhouse? 17,000 people showing you love, having your back, 
that, well, there, that's, that's what to I that. think that he needs. That's, that's think, what I think he needs. We, we saw Zach come through. We saw Tony come through here. James Johnson. That's true. Numerous guys. Numerous guys come through here, man. You know what I mean? Lance, we, we love Lance Stevenson, bro. We love Matt Barnes. We hate him. You, know <laughs> you what I mean? love Lance but, Stevenson. You right, love so, Lance Stevenson. Hey, if, if you didn't love Lance Stevenson, bro, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's all I got to say. If, if, if Lance Stevenson doing Lance Stevenson things in the FedEx form, then, then pulling your heartstrings, I don't really know what to tell you. But but you get the point I'm trying to make, bro. Sure. Like this is Memphis, bro. People are talking about, you know, he doesn't need. Bro, if we can't love him up, if we can't love Josh Jackson where he needs to be, it ain't no hope for him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I think that's fair. My my biggest concern with him is, and you know, even going back to Zach, Zach was an established commodity as an NBA player exactly. when he arrived. He, he was 28 years old when he got here. Yeah. Tony Allen was an NBA champion when he arrived, so those guys were already kind of known for what they were good at. And they had the right. mental and emotional capacity to be able to rehab themselves or rehab themselves, especially Zach. Tony wasn't necessarily that. Uh, but Zach mm-hmm. found and was able to appreciate the love that was being shown to him. I think there's enough mm-hmm. evidence to suggest that Josh Jackson maybe wouldn't have been able to do that. But we're on the same page now. Josh Jackson yeah, should be up. He's still I, young. Yeah, he's still young. And he's probably at the peak of doing crazy stuff. So I <laughs> he's at his prime. He's, he's, he's reached the peak, hopefully. Uh, we're chatting with right. Sane Asylum himself, Mr. Anthony Sane. He does a great job over at SB, or excuse me, Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter at Sane Asylum, and make sure you're following uh, Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven at Grizzlies Maven, M-A-V-E-N. Uh, obviously, Josh Jackson would help from a basketball perspective, I'm curious as to your take on the James Wiseman stuff. Obviously, that's been a dominant storyline uh, in Memphis. And you do an excellent job uh, separating your Tigers fandom and the emotions that you feel when it comes to the Tigers basketball program and the Grizzlies. Right. Lots of folks in Memphis basketball aren't as good at that as you. I share mm-hmm. the same opinion of James Wiseman that you do, that I think that there's some people in NBA draft Twitter who are completely insane if they think James Wiseman is the 18th best prospect in this draft. They've lost their minds. Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at this Grizzlies roster and you see what they have, to take James Wiseman second overall if Anthony Edwards is on the board would be a massive mistake. And I think that they need more shot creation. They need more perimeter work in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft. If Wiseman's there and they don't take a LaMelo ball or an Anthony Edwards or somebody else that's in that top tier as time goes on, that's going to be something that will divide the fan base to an extent. But I think it'll be the right decision. It'll be a real test of this front office doing the right thing as opposed to what would be popular among Grizzlies fans. Do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, we're pretty much on the same page. When you, when you said I have a knack for something, I thought you were about to say I have a knack for uh, getting people stirred up, making people mad. <laughs> on Which you I and I, you and I share that. Right, right. I, I accept that. I, I accept that heel role at all times. Uh, shout out to Memphis Wrestling on that. But um, <laughs> as far as the James Wiseman situation, like I said, James Wiseman is a great talent. I think that Memphis uh, inflates a lot of things. Um, I, I don't think we've seen enough of James to really determine what he is uh, as far as high-level basketball is concerned. A lot of people think that James Wiseman is this uh, unicorn. He's a self-proclaimed unicorn player, and not just self-proclaimed, I'm sorry. He's got, he has the perception of being a unicorn, but James Wiseman is more of a tra- way more of a traditional big man than people are willing to accept. He's not this three-point shooter, take the ball off the dribble. He's a hyper-athletic, seven-foot-one, long big but he's not this do everything center like people are trying to be i've heard people say that he's that he's he's got the, the jaron jackson package plus plus rebounding like nah, i don't think you you need to watch more james jackson uh, jaron jackson and watch more of james wiseman because james wiseman uh made two three-pointers his senior year at east and he took seven uh far from being the shooter um we just don't know what he is i mean we haven't seen him play against any true competition he played some terrible teams and, and went off and he had pretty much a average game when he played a- actual competition against Oregon but uh we don't really know what he is and regardless of that even if he's this phenomenal player I don't think he's going to put himself to the point where he separates himself from the Anthony Edwards of the world or, or the mellow balls of the world I think it'll be they'll all pretty much be in, in a 
in a pile. Where whichever one works for you, that's the number one player in the draft. I don't think this is going to be that Zion Williamson year where Zion was the number one pick pretty much the whole time. Uh, I think whoever's number one is going to be depending on what the team wants and what they need. And I think if the Grizzlies are with the number one pick, I think you have to take the perimeter player. I think you have to take whether it's um, LaMelo Ball or if it's – what's his name? I just said his name. I, you know I'm terrible with names. But sure. It's just uh, – LaMelo, as I think, guard. is the one. No, no, shooting guard from Georgia. Edwards. Oh, I'm either, sorry, either Anthony Edwards. Edwards or, yeah, <laughs> either Edwards or LaMelo. I think that's the direction the Grizzlies have to go. But unfortunately, Joe, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Grizzlies don't pick in the top six at all um, because I think that they they might just hover around – to the point where they're not going to be picking it all. So that'd be a whole other conversation. It might be, you know, to convey or not to convey all over. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they're definitely going to be on that line. I don't see them being so bad that they're they're locked into being in the top five. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, but I also think that the convey or not convey, getting John Morant killed that. And, and, and as you know, I was one of the loudest convey the pick beat or drum oh, beaters yeah, that was out there. Um, but having Morant, having Jaron, you know, whether they have their first round pick this year or not, I'm, and especially the way that the off season was handled by the front office, they have so many assets. Now they can move up in a draft. They can move back. They just have so much more flexibility. It's not as huge of a question as it once was. Uh, I am always amazed with how intensely Memphis can fall in love with something. Uh, and I mean, Lance Stevenson to a lesser extent, obviously James <laughs> Wiseman, you know, this is somebody who I think is almost like, you know, in terms of historical figures, he's like Alexander the great in that you're, yeah, the idea of him is pretty solid, but in practice, there wasn't as much substance. At least there isn't yet. He could come back on right. January 12th and be the best player like in the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he could but that has the national championship. But if I mean, you're sitting know. there, we don't know what he's going to do. But if you're sitting there right now and you're saying he is that, you're creating something in your mind, it's an illusion. It doesn't exist right. yet. And you can't right. sit here on December 3rd as we record this and say this guy is going to be the man. You're seeing LaMelo Ball right now perform in New Zealand. You're seeing Anthony Edwards hit game-winning shots and dominate games. You have tangible mm -hmm. evidence already that they are going to be good NBA prospects on the perimeter that make a lot of sense next to John Jaron long-term and Brandon Clark mm -hmm. has inserted himself in that conversation as well. I, I just don't right. see how you can be so hell bent on James Wiseman so soon. Right. Especially when Wiseman doesn't really fit a major need. I know a lot of people say, well, Jaron can't rebound yet, or we need someone that can do this and that. Those type of guys are easy to find. Like you can find, right. you can find your your, your average go get rebounds and go get hard fouls. Those kind of guys, those that six eight six nine six ten big who does those things, they're all over the place. But a perimeter player who could make this team inside outside threat un, un, unbelievable to the point where you can't stick three guys in the post to stop job. When you can have that guy on the outside, you're you're a very dangerous team going forward. And hell, there might be a guy in South Haven right now who's six foot eight playing a wing that could be a stretch <laughs> four or a, a slashing four, maybe, uh, would be a better way to view it that could do a similar thing. Uh, they need to give him a look. Uh, we're finishing up here with Anthony Sane. Uh, make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter if you don't already do so at Sane Asylum. He's the Grizzlies beat writer for Sports Illustrated's Grizzlies Maven. Follow Grizzlies Maven on Twitter at Grizzlies Maven. We'll get you out of here on the question of the day saying, and it kind of brings our conversation full circle. I think we both agree mm -hmm. that the next time the Grizzlies make the playoffs, John Morant will be a central figure. Jaron Jackson Jr. will be a central figure. As we mentioned, Brandon Clark has worked his way up and will probably be a central figure on that next good to great Grizzlies team. The wings that are going to start on that team are not on the roster yet. I would argue that the starters for this year's version of the Memphis Grizzlies may not be on the roster yet when January 1st comes around, which brings us to the question of the day. Who should be the starting wings for Memphis on January 1st? The options I gave, and thanks to the 140 folks who voted, the options that I gave were Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks, the current starting two when they're healthy. Uh, Dylan Brooks and Josh Jackson, our boy, uh, your boy more than mine, but I'm going to claim him too. Uh all right. Josh Jackson and Jay Crowder. So that would be a pretty big matchup and lineup. 
or other. And obviously, uh, DeAnthony Melton was popular thanks to Rob White, uh, Vince Roscoe, uh, Rod M. Lots of different replies. Uh, folks are high on Melton right now. Kyle Anderson was mentioned a couple of times. Uh, the winner of the poll was Brooks, Dylan Brooks, and Josh Jackson. And folks want to see Josh as that starter next to Dylan. Everybody's pretty much in agreement. I, I think sometimes people are way too hard on Dylan Brooks. I wrote about that. Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. is not going to be a starter on the next great Grizzlies team. But if you don't think he can be a good bench player, Matt Hardlicka wrote a great piece for his Patreon page uh, talking about how you know ways you could work around Iggy to the Lakers. If you put Dylan Brooks and... I mean, shoot, another wing somehow via another trade on the Lakers, and all they give up is a couple of second-round picks, and they also get Andre Iguodala. That makes them a title contender even more so than they already are because they have two wings on the bench that can contribute right now. Dylan Brooks Mm -hmm. could be a reserve wing playing 18 to 20 minutes on a title contender right now. And if you don't think Mm -hmm. so, then you're just not watching the game. Dylan's yeah. a great example of yeah. those guys that we're asking too much of him. He's not a starter who gets 30 minutes as a leading scorer. He's a reserve on a good team. So if you think Dylan Brooks is the starter on this team long-term, I just disagree with you. Josh Jackson could be that guy. And I'm intrigued by the idea of Dylan and Josh because Josh could relieve some of the stress on Dylan as a scorer, as a slasher, he can obviously help defensively as well, and that's where a lot of people see his greatest potential. I I hope that it's Dylan and Josh. I The way they make it sound, Josh might still be in South Haven at that point, uh, but what would you like to see the Grizzlies do as the calendar turns here in the next few weeks at, at the, on the wing uh, position? I think I got an unpopular opinion on this one, uh, Joe. I don't know what the, what the stats are saying as far as the votes are concerned. I kind of got two answers, though. Uh, number one, uh, kind of popular opinion, I want DeAnthony Melton to be part of the rotation. I think that he should take up all of Grayson Allen's minutes, all of uh, Marco Kuduric's minutes, and he should, you know, get some point, point guard minutes too. I think he should get all the backup shooting guard minutes. I believe your, your wing rotation should be – and my, I think the starters should stay the same. I think it should be Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks and your – your wings would be those two guys plus DeAnthony Melton and Josh Jackson if he comes up. Like I said, I'm with you. I, I don't think that's going to happen between now and January the 1st, unfortunately. Um, I'm fine with the starters the way they are. Uh, Jay Crowder shoots a decent percentage from three this year. I think his I think his percentage is up. Um, hard-nosed guy. The guys like love him in the locker room. Dylan, he's turned the corner, and he, we're undefeated every time that Dylan scores 20 points or more. I just want to see more of Anthony Melton. I don't particularly think he needs to start or has to start to be productive. Uh, in, a, in a dream scenario, when we do get a shooting guard, that could be our starting shooting guard, and Dylan Brooks has 20 minutes to burn up six fouls in instead of 30, I think he'll be a hell of a player because he could, he could stretch those six fouls out longer because Dylan is a very handsy guy. You know what I mean? So oh, no, no doubt. He likes, get, uh, he likes to get physical. So, Dylan's one of those guys, man, like he's that Matt Barnes type player, you know what I mean? Like where if, if you're in the playoffs or in the NBA finals, whatever you're doing, Dylan Brooks is one of those guys that could come in and swing a game. He's out there, you know, making big shots, getting to the basket, hard fouls, barking at guys, you know, running up and down, screaming at guys the ears the whole game. That's the kind of guy that you see in the playoffs that makes big moments. And I can't, I don't knock Dylan the way that, that, that some people have. I don't even knock Dylan the way I have before. Because he's he's definitely uh, showed and proved more uh, this season, so I'm I'm fine with the starting lineup. I just want to see uh, a more experimental rotation uh, with more of the younger guys playing. And I'm I, like I said, I'm perfectly fine with DeAnthony Melton playing, getting all the minutes that Grayson Allen and Marco Gadori get. I think that I agree with you completely on Melton. Uh, I like the idea of I mean, if you're advocating for young players getting the minutes, give the p- minutes to the young players that are producing with the time that they're given. Right. Allen and Guterich have not shown consistently that they can play at a high level or a level high at enough all. to at least stay competitive. Uh, D'Anthony right. Melton has. so, And obviously a small sample size, but he's done enough to at least continue to get opportunity. So I'm with you on mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I don't think I disagree with you on Jay Crowder. I think you can apply the same logic to Dylan, or excuse me, the, the logic that we apply to Dylan, saying that on the next great Grizzlies team, he's getting 18 minutes or so off the bench. 
Josh Jackson's probably in a similar boat, maybe a little bit more time than Dylan, but he's he probably projects to be more of a, a sixth man, almost like an Andre Iguodala in a way, in terms of his impact, the way he can play both forward positions, maybe not so much as the facilitator that Iguodala can be, but definitely as a defender and as a slasher at the rim, I, I could right. see Jackson being that for a Grizzlies playoff team in the future. So um, I, I don't hate the idea of Crowder being the starter there for now, Assuming that they bring in a Bogdan Bogdanovich, a Joe Harris, you know, God forbid, a Brandon Ingram, and then they're able to draft an Anthony Edwards. I mean, this rebuild could accelerate pretty quickly yeah, if just a few quickly. things go the right way for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Saying this is weird. We've talked for about thirty minutes and we haven't disagreed really very much at all. Even no, the thing it's I been so much. So much harmony between me and you, Joe. Even the thing I thought we'd disagree with more on, we actually cordially discussed pretty nicely. Uh, This has been a wonderful chat. I don't know if it's as as hot takey as folks are going to want it to be, but uh, I've enjoyed this. Hopefully we'll have you back on down the road. Good talking to you, man. <laughs> uh, Mr. Sane, I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. And like I said, we'll have you back on uh, on future shows, hopefully. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Anthony Sane. For Anthony Sane, for my uh, wonderful associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com, Parker Fleming, and of course for everybody over at GBB, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcasts. Obviously, we have 3 and D now uh, with Sean Coleman and Justin Lewis. We have the core four with Parker and Nate Chester. We're building GBB up more and more as we can, and as we go, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you checking out the site on a daily basis. It means the world, and I'm excited to be back more consistently over at grizzlybearblues.com here in my fourth year as site manager. We'll have another podcast later this week. Until then, again, thanks to Anthony Sane. Thanks to Parker Fleming. I am your host and the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com, Joe Molinax, saying grind forth, Grizz Nation. This has been Grizzly Bear Blues Live. (laughs) Thank you.